Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. How many of you are bargain shoppers? Some have even maybe called you cheap before. If you're a male, you you may shop shop at Harbor Freight uh, and buy a bunch of junk that you replace over and over and over again. Um. Sometimes we use the word expensive. That's so expensive. It's so expensive. And yet, some of you have expensive things. You have expensive tastes. Um, And when you purchase something expensive, in your mind you're asking the question, not what is the price, but is it worth it? Is it worth it? And this morning, what we're going to talk about really is, is it worth it? Is it worth it following Christ? Uh, Do I see a life that's given over and walking with Christ as worth it? Uh, And will I do that till the day I die? Um, This is what we're talking about this morning as we look to God's Word on a Father's Day. On a Father's Day. It's going to all come back to fathers, okay? you're not off the hook yet, men, today. Um, still be nervous in your soul. Uh, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you <coughs> from Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 12. Therefore, my beloved brethren, as you have also all, always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation uh, with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine like lights of the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in uh, in vain or labor in vain, e- even if I uh, am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. God, we ask your blessing on your word uh, that you might stir our hearts, each one of us uh, today, as we look to your word. God, thank you uh, for the role that you have us, that you include us in your work, that you saved us to serve. God, we're thankful. Uh, glorify yourself in your church as we sit before your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <coughs> um, as we look to God's word, we kind of stopped in the middle last week uh, of a passage, and um Chapter 2, I've been stalling my way through this. I've been dragging it out uh, because I find such treasure here that I don't want to miss a single part. Um, But when you look at uh, chapter 2, you see the riches of the gospel. And the riches of the gospel um, is it it equips us to see others as more important than ourselves. Um, That we might see ourselves because of what Christ has done for us, to see others more important and to see ourselves as servants 
as servants. Um, it's super important for us to see ourselves as servants. When we see ourselves as kings and queens, princes and princesses, uh, we kind of think everyone should serve us. But he calls us, uh, though we are, we do have position with him to follow in Christ's footsteps, to be a servant. Um, this is where we are to be, and this is just following Jesus. Jesus did this for us. And then last week, I already mentioned the, that we're not to be complainers or arguers. Uh, and as we are not that, we shine like stars in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And so today, um, as we look to God's Word, we're going to see that we're called not to save ourselves, not to hold back, uh, but to give ourselves, not just give ourselves in moments and times, but to give ourselves always. And not just to a point, but to death, to the end, uh, even if it means a cross sort of death. And this will be following uh, our Savior, Jesus. And so uh, here, here we are in God's Word. Um, we stopped in the middle. <coughs> and last week we talked about this idea of shining like stars in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And in verse 16, it holds the key for us. And I'd say it this way, the key to a well-wasted life. I say wasted uh, because everyone's life at the end of their life, at the moment before they die, have, has used it all up. They, they've used it all up. Um, we, uh, when we're young, you know, some of us remember the feeling. Uh, we don't, uh, we don't have the feeling. We remember the feeling of like, life's going to go on forever. It, it doesn't matter what I do today because it'll be tomorrow. And I, I can try something today and I can waste this day. And even if I do, who cares? Because there's going to be another try that I can do tomorrow. And many of us look upon our life and look back to uh, seasons and times and events and things we did and say, what a waste. What a waste. Wish I wouldn't have done that. Regrets of the past. It's interesting to me, uh, as we had gone in the last years, we've gone through the book of Ecclesiastes and that, that haunting refrain of meaningless, meaningless or vanity of vanities, this idea of uh, it's not worth it. it, it the life just slips through our hands. And the the idea here that I want you to think through is that everybody spends their life. If life was in dollars, you would have a pile of dollars here and everyone spends it. They spend it on whatever they want to do. They do and they go and they live and they, they participate and they say no, but they also say yes. And, and that uh, defines the life that they have chosen. And the question um, is, in this life that you will all waste, will it be well wasted? Will, will it be worth it in the end? And uh, we have the key to a well wasted life. The life that uh, you will see is that of worth. And if you look down at verse 16, he says this, holding fast to the word of life. 
There it is right there. Let's close in a word of prayer. No, uh, holding fast to the word of life. Holding fast. So well, let's go to the word of life first. The word of life is not really life is just, a, you know, modifies it and shares, shares a little bit, but it's the word. It's the word. And as we look at this idea of the word of life, the, the word connects us to Jesus, who he is. And not just uh, his name, but his message, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Okay? And so we think of Jesus, we think of his life, his message. But not just that, the implications of that. It, it's that what happens when Christ invades a life? What is, when that message is embraced, that person of Jesus is embraced, what happens to one's life? Well, quickly you can say this, they are saved. They're fit for heaven in an instant, ready. That's amazing. But even before they, they go, uh, they, they leave this life, the implications of Christ to that life for the days ahead changes everything. Changes everything. So it's a word, the word, the word of life, word of life. In Jesus Christ is found life. I referenced it earlier when I was talking about uh, these tragedies in our community. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said also, he said, I have come that they might have life life and have it to the full and not just have a little bit of life but abundant life as some translations take it abundant life and so uh as he thinks about what it is to work out your salvation earlier in the passage as he says you know don't be a grumbler or arguer someone who's complaining and arguing all the time uh but don't be that but as you go about living in this life, you're in the midst of people who are, are perishing all, the, all around you. He says, what should you do? Hold fast to the word of life. The answer of Jesus, the gospel, and the implications of that, that message, that word of life, that's the message to cling to. Uh, different translations struggle with if this is holding forth or holding fast. Uh, don't get too hung up on that. The, the point is not holding fast or holding forth, but the what we're holding to, what we're holding to. It's either the singular message that we share, that we present to a world, which I believe it is. Uh, I believe that that's our singular message, but probably most certain probably a better translation is as it says in the ESV, holding fast, clinging to, clinging to. I asked uh, Jeremy and Zach to play for us this morning to lead us. Uh, one of the most simple songs ever. You know, the kids these days, they're simple songs. This one was written a long time ago. but uh, It says, in the morning when I rise, morning when I rise, give me Jesus. That's the picture, the picture of holding fast. It's 
the message that I cling to. It's the one that I, I pursue. It's the one that I won't let go of. And then later on in the song, what does it say? When I come to die. When I come to die. What does it say? Give me Jesus. The message that I hold fast to, that I cling to. That, that message and that, that the implications of the, the life that's found in Jesus in the pressure of the this life and the, the choices that I make and the priorities that I have, He would be the one that I would cling to. Um, we have to give up things all the time, don't we, in life? There's always choices to make. There's always pressures. I, I think of dads and uh, the changes that God brings about in a life when a, a, a young man gets married. And then when they have kids and then they see the responsibility, they give up things. They give up things. And they should. They should give up things. And it's uh, fairly simple. You realize that you can't do certain things and be a good dad. And so uh, you, you start giving up things and you say, well, w- w- what, what can I give up? Sometimes it's just... Uh, Financially, there's there's a there's an amount of money, and you go. I realize I can't do this, this, and this. I need to give up that. Well, you know the pressures of life uh, bring choices like that all the time. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's time. And you say, well, well I don't have enough time to do everything I want to do. I want to do this, this, and this. Can't do it all, so I got to give up this. And life tends to go like this, that you're always being pushed by priorities, right? And you're pushed to give up things. And and when you're pushed, you, you always ask the question, well, what's most important to me? I'm not giving this up. I'm not making this trade. I don't care what happens. I will not give this up because it's too dear to me. And I want to tell you that one thing that he's calling us as all of God's people is to cling to the word of life. The person of Jesus. The message of his gospel and the implications of us being saved by him. This is what we cling to. This is what we are called to hold fast to. <coughs> um. I think it's pretty simple, right? It, it it's the last thing you give up. You you could imagine, you know, uh, yourself hanging from a rope, and you you realize uh, you have a heavy pack on your back, and uh, you're hanging from a rope, and and you're saying, I, I don't know, it's so heavy, I I can't hold on, and so you ditch your your backpack. And you, you, you kick off your shoes and you're, you're saying, I, I need to hold on. I, I need to get rid of. I, I, don't get rid of the rope. Don't get rid of the rope. The rope's the thing that's hang, keeping you hanging on. The last thing that I would let go of. It's the idea that says, I, I, I'll do whatever it takes to hold on. To cling to Jesus. It's the key to the well-wasted life. And uh, 
this is where you come in, dads, right? It's a little early. I realize it's not in my notes, but dads, what are you clinging to? What are you holding on to? When your kids remember you, uh, what would they say is the thing that you wouldn't give up? It's interesting in the book of Philippians, it's a book of suffering. It's a book of suffering. Uh, it's spoken of in chapter one already, and um, really it's in, talking about it in chapter two. It's in the background to have unity in the church in the midst of suffering, not getting what you want. But that, that's what happens. The pressures, the pressures of life come in and they, they push in, right? And the enemy desires for what for you? That you would not cling to the Jesus, not cling to the gospel, not cling to working out your salvation. He, he would say, why don't you give up? Why don't you give up? And the pressures, the sufferings of this life are designed by the enemy, not in a very good way, but to destroy you, to cause you to give up. And I want to tell you, what are you clinging to? What's the last thing you're going to give up? What's the thing that you're going to trust in? Don't let it be your health. Don't let it be your health. You say, well, you know, I'll, I'll walk with Christ as long as I'm healthy. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Cling to Christ even when you're not healthy. Maybe even more so. Maybe you say, well, you know, I cling to Jesus and my money. Don't. Don't. Uh, your money might run out and you say, well, then I won't cling to Jesus. I want to tell you, forget your money. It's not worth you trusting Him. It's not a place, a foundation, a solid rock that you can believe in. Well, maybe it's your family and your situation. If everyone treats me nice and if everyone does what I want them to do. No, no. This is called clinging to Jesus, to not giving up on the word of life. He moves from there as he's talking to this group of believers. He says, hold fast to the word of uh, life. And he says, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. He's saying, he, he, he speaks uh, of the wasteful life or, or the if you don't cling to Christ, if you don't hold on to the word of life, what will happen to you? Well, there's a possibility because you trusted and invested in things that are worthless at the end, what will happen? You'll say it wasn't worth it. He, he uses uh, these terms. He says, run in vain, run in vain or labor in vain, a race and a work. Now, I always think it's interesting, uh, these marathon runners uh, that, they they exert all that they have. Uh, many times as they cross the finish line, they collapse. They collapse because they've given all that they could. They've exerted everything they had. And the picture here is this, for you and for me, and really for Paul, he's saying, uh, after I've exerted everything that I have, after I've given it all, I cross the finish line, and it's not worth it. 
it's not worth it. What I gave my all to, it wasn't worth it. Um, he talks of the race, but he also talks of the labor. He, uh, he says labor in vain, labor in vain. Um, you, you can imagine building a house and working very hard and exerting energy and time and uh, finances and you've given it over and over again and you, you thought you were building something beautiful and then you finished it and as you finish it, uh, it begins to crumble and can never be used for what was intended for it. It wasn't worth it. I worked so hard. I exerted. I gave all that I had, but it wasn't worth it. He said, if you don't, if you don't uh, trust in Christ, if you don't uh, believe in the word of life, if you don't cling to that, guess what's going to happen? At the end of this life, it will be You'll look back on your life. You'll see all that you've done and realize that it was a wasted life, not a well-wasted life. See, there's a deadline in this passage too. I don't know if you caught it. Paul was thinking in his mind, he was calling on them to hold fast to the word of life so that in the when the day of Christ comes, when there's a, there's a returning and a reckoning with Christ, the one that saved you and the one that brings a, a bookend to this history of this life. And he says this, in that day, you're not going to be trusting in your money. You're not going to be trusting in your accomplishments down here. The things that you thought were so great down here will not cut it in that day. In that day, it will be that you've clung to the message of life found in Jesus. And so uh, his, his idea is hold fast to the word of life so that, so that in the day of Christ, it may be proud. It may be not, not proud in the sense of look at what a great thing that I did, but I'm thankful that I did not waste my life. <coughs> Paul goes on to talk about this. And in verse 17, uh, he, he goes on to the positive side. If you do uh, trust in the word of life, it will be a joyful, wasted life. A joyful. He says, even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. He speaks of the drink offering, and it's hard for us because we are not part of the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, but they would have quickly gone to this in their mind. Where at different times they would bring about offerings of animals and grains and other things where they would place them on the altar. And part of that was to light them on fire. And as a, a, a last step or as an additional offering on top of that, uh, they would bring about some wine, a drink offering, and they would pour it over it and, and it would be consumed and it would sizzle and it would have these amazing uh, fruit smells that would go up. And uh, in the Old Testament, it says over and over again that the aroma was pleasing to the Lord. That this worship of of giving of an animal and giving of this grain and giving of this wine, that this was to be for God. And it was an aroma pleasing to Him. Paul says uh, here, and as he speaks and uh, when he communicates to Timothy at the end of his life, 
he says, he talks about this drink offering. And he says, even if it's me, even if it's me. Now, I do want you to get the picture of this. Some of you are uh, uh, wine drink. I wanted to say winos, but you, some of you are wine drinkers, okay? Uh, just joking, just joking. Don't take this so seriously all the time, okay? You guys get all touchy sometimes. Loosen up on me, okay? It's Father's Day. Um, so you, you picture yourself and you have your favorite bottle of wine and it comes to the time of offering and, and worshiping and 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 priest says, hey, give me your wine. And they're, you're like, this is kind of my favorite bottle right here. And, uh, well, how much are you going to use? And he says, all of it. He says, all of it. Can't you just, can't you just use a little glass here? Pour a little Heineken. No, no, I want all of it. Well, what are you going to do with it? I, you see this fire, this offering right here? I'm going to pour it all over. Well, are you going to pour all of it? Yes, all of it. Well, what's going to happen? Well, it's, most of it's going to hit the fire and it's going to evaporate and become this and the rest is going to fall on the floor. And the picture of that, you're going, well, well, what happens after? You leave with the empty bottle. You leave with the empty bottle. What a picture, right? The empty bottle. You say, well, Seems like kind of a waste. It is if it's not worship to the Lord. It, it is if it's not pleasing to Him. The, the picture here is is amazing. And and as Paul is talking about this, he's saying, even if it's my life, it's my life. Um, as you think about this this morning. You may be looking at your own life right now and saying, what a waste. What a waste. I feel myself getting old. Or I feel myself being old. I feel the opportunities of life slipping away and I don't want to waste it. I don't want to waste it. I'll say, you are going to waste it. Are you going to waste it well? You will be holding at the end the empty bottle. But will it be have been used in a way that is pleasing to the Lord? As Paul looked upon his life, he says, even if I'm poured out, I find it interesting. He he says poured out, and most of the commentators focus on the the idea that it's it, he's going to die. He's going to die, and that's kind of the end result of this pouring out, right? We we do uh, it's all out in the end. But there's a process of pouring out. Few of us pour out our life in an instant. It's daily. It's daily. And uh, when I think about the idea of parenting, it's pouring out. It's pouring out. And every step that we take, every day that we live, every sacrifice that we make, we're asking ourselves the question, am I giving a little too much? What's going to be left for me? What's going to be left for me? And I want to tell you, nothing. Nothing's going to be left. Nothing. I think so much of our life is meant, uh, is used, not on purpose, but just in self-preservation of holding back for me. Holding back for me. 
you know, if I give too much, I might get sick. If I give too much, I, I, I might run out of money. If I give too much, maybe there won't be any left for me. Exactly. Exactly. As I look, as I look upon Christ and in this very passage, it says that he emptied himself, becoming obedient, obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul poured out his life. And for what? What do we know? Well, for the Philippian church, for other churches. At this time, uh, he was uh, possibly waiting a sentence of death. And maybe he was thinking about that. He was going, eh, maybe even I'll be poured out. I'll be at end of the bottle here real quick. Um, maybe my life will be taken from me. But it's okay. It's okay. In fact, it's more than okay. And that's an amazing picture. He says, even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. You know what it looked like? I, I think this is the picture. Is that as Paul was pouring out his life, as his life was being poured out, uh, it was being poured out for the faith of the Philippians. That he gave his life to share the gospel with them initially. And now they had come to faith and it's this picture, quite possibly, of them being on the altar and his life being poured upon theirs and that both of them sacrificing and giving of their lives side by side, wasting their life for the worship of God, for God's purposes. What a picture. His faith, uh, his life being poured out for their faith. And you get this, and he says, even if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial offering of your faith, I hate it, but I do it. Is that what he says? No, he says this. I am glad and rejoice with you all. I'm glad and rejoice with you all. If your life is poured out in the service of God, in your home and in your church and in your community and in the service of God, good, be happy, be happy that it's wasted on eternal things. And he says this in verse 18, he says, likewise, you should also uh, be glad and rejoice with me. There's this partnership of joy. Your life's getting wasted and used up. Great, mine too. We're doing this together. We're just we're just wasting our life together. And uh, what a great thing. I remember when you came to faith and I remember the work that you were doing and you're doing this now and we're doing this and we're all doing this on top of what God is doing and that His, uh, that He would be pleased is our desire. This is the way to live life. Let's talk about dads. I got three things for you today, dads. <coughs> The first thing is this, word of life. Word of life. May it be your only answer. May it be your only answer. May your kids and your grandkids, your wife, know that you like gardening. You enjoy your house. You enjoy your career. You like 
golfing and playing tennis and ping pong and video games and whatever else it is. But the thing that you cling to, the thing that you won't live without, the thing that you will die with clinging in your hand, is the word of life. It's Christ. It's his message. It's living for him. The word of life. Secondly, dads, I want to encourage you to fixate on making it matter, making this life matter. That you'd be asking yourself in the midst of your days here, does this really matter what I'm doing? Is my life being poured out on the lives of my children in a way that as they sacrifice and I'm concerned about their faith and I want them to partner with me on that altar, even as Romans 12 says, to be a living sacrifice that I want my kids to be sacrificed as I am sacrificed in the service of God. To fixate upon it. To to make your decisions and your priorities based upon whether... Because in the end, you don't want to be like Paul when Paul was saying, I I, I didn't want to get to the end of the race and realize it wasn't worth it. I didn't want to get to the end of the building and say... That it was for nothing. I want to fixate on making it matter. And then lastly, and probably most important, dads, happily pour out your life for the faith of your kids. Happily do it. Happily do it. Use your money for it. Use your time for it. Use your energy. Pour it out in extravagant ways where you can never get it back. Because that, that, that's what's going to be worth it in the end. That, that this is a joyful task. That to be a dad is great. Sometimes you don't look as cool as you used to. Though. I remember one time, you know, been walking around the church with one of my kids. I held my kid for a moment. Just a moment. It wasn't, I wasn't doing anything heroic. And then I walked around, and it's been a while. I'd gone through one service, maybe the next, and end greeting. And boogers on my shoulder right here. Nobody told me. My kids, snotty-nosed kids, right? It's what they do. It's what they do. And, and I want to tell you that uh, many people today would say, well, I don't like kids. I don't want kids. I don't have kids. I want to tell you, sometimes this happens when you have kids, right? And worse, and worse. I'm talking about that because that's the cute parts, right? When you get older, it gets more costly. You take more of your heart and uh, you worry more. And th- th- there's all kinds of things involved. And some of you know heartache that I don't even know. And you, you're still carrying that. I want to tell you, carry it, carry it. Uh, Die for your kids. Waste your life pursuing them. Waste your life for their faith. To happily do so. What else is this life worth? What what else is so important that we would uh, waste this life on? It's not for the faith of our kids. Let's join me pray. God, we're grateful um, that you count as part of the process that you loved us so much that you sent your son and 
that because of him we have life. Word of life. He is the word of life. So uh, as we understand the gospel, as we understand Jesus and cling to him and that message, pray that we would not hold back our lives and we would not uh, cling to the things that, that of this life, but that we would love it, that we would be poured out in worship and service to you. God, we ask uh, your blessing on the fathers here today, and I ask that you would uh, motivate them to walk faithfully with you, to cling to you. They would not uh, get distracted by the comforts of this life and that they would not uh, let the moments and days roll past without caring for their children and their wives. God, thank you for your church. Strengthen us as we cling to you.